one of the glories of the tradition of the church um, is its symbols. And where you go in the world and you find a church, whether you know the language that's spoken there or not, there is another language that we all speak, and that is the language of symbol. Uh, the people who made stained glass knew that, and so though there were many people um, who couldn't read, the stories are told in the glass. One of the, the downsides of us becoming so reliant and, and proficient at the written word is that sometimes we forget how to read the language of symbol. I wonder how many people have walked around and looked really carefully at the glass in this building and wondered about the stories that are there. Some of them, like the ones in this window, which are all about shepherds in the Bible, you can figure out which stories they're telling you about, about shepherds, and of course the good shepherd is right on the top. It takes, it takes time to sit and ponder and figure it out. Then on this side, of course, we've got some saints. We've got uh, Hugh, um, who has his crozier because he was a bishop, the Bishop of Lincoln, and in the feet there is a swan. And that tells you something about the story of Hugh because he was a great lover of animals and they were unafraid of him and there was one in particular that spent, it was a bit like a, a pet dog, but it was his pet swan. And it wasn't his pet, it just liked being around him, which tells us something about Hugh. Up here, the carved figures across the screen, uh, the two in the middle are, are Peter and Paul, because this is St. Peter's, and our Medication Day, our, our Patronal um, Festival is on the feast day of St. Peter and St. Paul, and you can tell which one is which by the symbols that they're holding. And then we have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. When we were doing our, our um, before Christmas cleaning, and I was lucky enough to be the one up the ladder doing the dusting across the top. I discovered that our friend Luke there, I hadn't looked that closely before, has a moustache and no beard. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> but perhaps there is a reason why the person who carved that Luke decided he needed a moustache and not a beard. Also one on the end is John and he doesn't have a beard at all because he is traditionally a young man who hasn't grown one yet. <laughs> so, we have the language of symbol, and in those symbols are echoes. And there were some echoes this morning. We, a number of people had the sign of the ashes placed on their forehead, and as Stephen said, reminded that from dust we have come, and to dust we return, turn from sin, repent, and believe the gospel. And then that was echoed for us in reading of the gospel. Now after John was arrested, Jesus came to Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God and saying, The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe in the good news. Mark's uh, version of today's story is very short, short and succinct, like all of his gospel. Only 16 chapters in Mark's Gospel. If you want to start with one of them, it's probably a good one to start with. You get the whole story almost in one reading. Today we hear of the baptism of Jesus, the temptation of Jesus in the wilderness, and the moving out of Jesus into his ministry. All in 136 words. Luke takes 343 words to tell that story, and Matthew takes 454 words to 
uses minimum of words, but in those words are many symbols. And a bit like if Solomon speaks about a picture paints a thousand world words. That is what's happening in the story. There are echoes, echoes of the story of the Hebrews, echoes of what people have seen and heard before, echoes for those for whom the gospel was written, reminding them of the story that had come before and the story that they knew because of their interaction with one another, echoes for us as we hear it again today. And in that first piece of the story, there is the echo of the story that Michael read for us this morning, the story of the flood, where all of the world was drowned, but out of the flood came a new family to begin again. And so in this story, we hear the echoes of that drowning in the water and yet coming up and starting a new life. And another echo for that story, of course, is the coming through the Red Sea of the Israelites, escaping from Egypt, coming into the wilderness. And so that leads us into this next piece of the story. Jesus was in the wilderness for 40 days, tempted by Satan, and he was with the wild beasts, and the angels waited on him. 40 days in the wilderness, 40 years in the desert. 40 is kind of biblical code for a long time. Might not have been exactly 40 days, but it was long enough that you begin to lose count. The Spirit drives Jesus into the wilderness. Moments after he has heard this voice affirm him, You are my child, the beloved. With you I am well pleased. We have the echoes of the covenant with Noah's family and all the creatures of the earth that God will never again send that kind of disaster. That they are beloved, that God wants them to have life. And from that place of affirmation, then Jesus in the story goes into the wilderness, just as the people of Israel had, the people of Israel had to go into that desert place to shake off the shackles of Egypt and discover who they really were before they can go into the promised land. So Jesus goes out into the wilderness to shake off anything that might get in the way of him living out the life God is calling him to. In Matthew and in Luke, we get long versions of the story of what happened there. In Mark, it just says he was in the wilderness for 40 days, tempted by Satan. And he was with wild beasts, and there were angels. Wilderness time matters. In that wilderness time, Jesus listened to the devil who tempted him, but he listened even more deeply to the Word of God. And Matthew and Luke's stories tell us that he quoted scripture back to the devil. He said, We do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And so at that time in the wilderness, where there were no distractions apart from the wild beasts and the angels, and none of the talky-talky, rush-rush busyness of his human companions, he was able to listen deeply to the word of God within him. 
He was an adult. He'd been to synagogue week by week. He knew the scriptures. This was a time to listen to the echoes of those words that he'd heard over and over again within himself. To hear that affirmation again and again that he had had at the end of the baptism. You are my child, the beloved, my delighted one. And to hear the echo of all of those words of scripture that had formed him. Last year, at the beginning of Lent, Pope Francis spoke about the need to make room for God and for the Word of God in this time of Lent. He says it's a time to turn off the television and open the Bible, a time to disconnect from your cell phone and connect to the Gospel. It's a very countercultural thing to turn off the TV and open the Bible. It's a very countercultural thing to spend time in silence away from the noisiness of modern life. And yet that's the invitation in these 40 days plus six Sundays. Pope Francis continued in his writing last year saying, we live in an environment that is polluted by too much verbal violence, by many offensive and harmful words. And the internet amplifies this. We're inundated with empty words and advertisements with subtle messages. And we become used to hearing everything about everyone and we risk slipping into a worldliness that atrophies our hearts. A worldliness that atrophies our hearts. We become numb. Numb to what we really need to be aware of in the world around us. He carried on by saying, in this noise, we struggle to distinguish the voice of the Lord who speaks to us. A voice that speaks within our conscience of what is good. The desert season on Lent is a time when we can be more intentionally in conversation with God. And so this desert place can become a life-giving place. Reflecting last Wednesday on ash and how when we have it placed on our head and we're reminded from dust we come into dust we return, it sort of seems a bit like a dead thing. It is something that has been burnt and all that is left is the ash. It's a sign of mourning, a sign of sorrow, of regret. And yet it's also a sign of life because how many of us know that ash is one of the ingredients we use when we're trying to grow things. And ash is one of the ingredients of paint when we want to create things. There are so many things in which the ash is actually an ingredient of new life, of possibility, of potential. So what are the words that are echoing for you? What are the words that echo from today's gospel? What will you remember? What will be there resounding and resonating within you? Baptism, wilderness, time, ministry. During this Lenten time, 
we are called to be thinking again about our baptism. And some of us are going to be actually doing some baptism preparation during this time. So that at Easter time, there will be some joyous baptisms and receiving of people into the community of God. But we might all think about what it means to turn to Christ and seek to live according to the way that Christ shows us. To take time to be still and really listen. to really consider the implications of what we hear in that listening so that we are ready to go out and act. Another Francis, the Assisi saint, who the present Pope actually took his name from, said, proclaim the gospel and if necessary, use words. Yes, there will be words, but it is so much more powerful for the gospel to be proclaimed in our actions, in the way that we are with people. Not just us as individuals, but us as a community, the way we are with people. Today's gospel finishes with Jesus saying, The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent. Turn away from those things that get between us and God. And believe in the good news. Believe in it enough to live it. So, we receive God's affirmation. We take time to reflect on our lives and to make changes in accordance with the love and justice of God's way. And then we put it into practice, proclaiming with our lives this good news that we believe. We walk through Lent as echo chambers of the good news. What will people hear echoing in our lives? Here is some that I hope might echo from me. God loves you and delights in you. Taking time to reflect and return to God is not a waste of time. We are the expression of God's life. What we say and do matters. And I want to, to end by going back to Pope Francis, as opposed to Saint Francis, with some words that he wrote last year and um, have been around on Facebook quite a bit lately. And I've printed them out on cards in case people would like them. This desert time is a time of fasting. Fast from hurting words. And say kind words. Fast from sadness and be filled with gratitude. Fast from anger and be filled with patience. Fast from pessimism and be filled with hope. Fast from worries and trust in God. Fast from complaining and contemplate simplicity. Fast from pressures and be prayerful. Fast from bitterness and fill your heart with joy. Fast from selfishness and be compassionate to others.
cast from grudges and be reconciled. Fast from words and be silent so that you can listen. To fast is to put aside something with the intention that something else can be done. So this Lent, let us fast from those things which prevent us from being echo chambers of the good news. Let us support one another as we do that. <laughs>